Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, Jim, in tonight's minute, uh, this is minute, uh, where did it go? Minute number 53. And uh, really, the, uh, the the one who steals the show in this minute is, uh, is an actor by the name of uh, Bob Lehman. But he is not, uh, he's not playing just anyone. He's giving the scene a sense of realism by portraying uh, none other than, than the legendary uh, W.C. Fields. So uh, when we talked about, uh, you know, who we might bring on the show, uh, you just woke up one day and decided, why not ask uh, uh, W.C. Fields' grandson? And sure enough, he said yes. So what a pleasure it is to welcome uh, Ronald J. Fields. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Hal. I appreciate that. And, and, and Jim, and you can just call me Ron. Ronald J. Fields is on the cover of my books. That's how, have to, that's, uh, how you have to look me up. But <laughs> Ron well, is fine. Well, Ron, it is. And, you know, right out of the gate uh, here, when uh, when uh, Bob shows up, um, Neville Sinclair, played by Timothy Dalton, just says, hello, Bill. Uh, is uh, Is that generally how he was known? Yes, in fact, his friends used to call him Uncle Bill. <laughs> oh, that's great. And and his friends are John Barrymore and Will Fowler and uh, Gene Fowler. I'm sorry, and um, and a whole a gang of those guys. And they used to hang around together on Bundy Boulevard in Los Angeles, and they called him the Bundy Bunch. The Bundy Bunch, absolute <laughs> yeah. Hollywood legends, right there. Yeah. Wow, uh, and uh, this this being October of 1938, this would be about the peak of his. Uh... Uh, of his film career, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I'm not sure where this where this lays in his uh, in his filmography. This would be after the bank dick. No, the bank dick was in '40. The uh, he was making the big broadcast of 1938. Oh, okay. Uh, where interestingly enough, I think it's interesting. Um, that's where uh, Bob Hope had his fir- did his first feature film, and in that film, he sings to Dorothy Lamour. Thanks for the memories. Wow. His, th- oh, his no theme kidding. song. So, yeah, that was a W.C. Field starring film. You know, it's amazing to me because uh, I've known who W.C. Fields is my entire life. And still, I, I don't know how many times I've, you know, in 49 years, I've, I've sat down and sort of watched a film of his start to finish. But it's just he's just part of the cultural fabric. Um, and I, you know, I would even as a little kid, I would recognize when a cartoon character was sort of imitating him or based on him. And he must be, uh, in addition to being such having such an impact as a as a performer, he must be among the most sort of imitated people in history, certainly in the first half of the 20th century. I think he's imitated more than I am. That's for sure. But <laughs> Probably I, more than the three of us put together. I know, Just going right. to guess. <laughs> that um, yeah, hazard a guess. The. Uh, the interesting thing about that, the, the librarian of uh, the uh, Library Congress, the librarian for the Library of Congress, literally said to my sister, with, with as my sister writes with near tears in his eyes, that W.C. Fields is an icon of American culture and humor. Wow. So, um, you know, it, it, and you're really, you're right on that. You know, there, there's something very, uni- there's something so unique about his humor, and it's so American. 
I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's American family. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's sustained. The problem is, I think, he's not as well known among a younger generation. And I think the reason being is with, you know, with trying to get your phone to go as fast as it possibly can. And WC so laconic in his delivery, you know, that it, it sometimes it misses. And you've got to think. He's not an easy comedian to, he's no there's no slapstick a rare slapstick with him he's a he's a thoughtful comedian it was a woman who drove me to drink and i never had the decency to thank her <laughs> <laughs> yeah all of his all of his uh soda voce asides and things I, I i had a little bit different upbringing from hal i my dad was a uh a wc fields uh maven he he loved fields um i to this day when i go into the produce section of a of a supermarket and i see uh, the word spelled k-u-m-q-u-a-t-s yes. i have to go no no it's c-u-m-q-u-a-t-s quats quats is that two and, quats and, <laughs> no one quat yeah it's, and i i you know i for and and i'm not i am not joking about this for many years my uh my pseudonym online was carl lafong capital l small oh, a capital is. f small o small n small small g and i i <laughs> And if, but if I did know Carla Fong, I wouldn't admit it. But, <laughs> but all of these, I'm, I'm sure you have these bits quoted to you all the time. And one of the things we were wondering about, we, we've had um, uh, we had Eric Lindbergh on several uh, several weeks ago. Eric Lindbergh, the grandson of Charles Lindbergh, wow. and uh, I had I had asked him what it was like growing up Lindbergh, and he said, you know, he had a kind of a responsibility to be. Uh, an explorer, be an innovator, and it's, you know, quite a—it's almost a burden for not a, not a burden, but it was something to reach for. And I was just wondering, you grew up fields. How how did that? I, I would imagine that a lot of people came up to you and did impersonations of your grandfather a lot. Not at all, and you may get a kick out of the story, particularly talking about it's a gift. W. C. Fields movies, this it's a gift, where Carl Lafong, yes. and all, all that stuff appears. I was about 12 years old. I was the youngest of five children, and we were all... My father would let us stay up late. Now, my father looked a lot like W.C., except for the nose, because my father was a teetotaler. One day, I'm watching It's a Gift. It's a nighttime, and I'm about 12. Mm-hmm. It's nighttime, and I am laughing so hard at the at the uh, Mr. Muckle scene in the drugstore yeah. <laughs> yes. that I have to leave the room just to, I, because I can't breathe. I, I just couldn't breathe. And so my sister was quite concerned about me. My sister Harriet, Dr. Harriet Fields, was quite concerned about me. And she came out and she, are you okay? I was bending over. I said, yeah, that. And I said, that guy's got to be the funniest guy who ever lived. And she goes, what? I know this guy. He's got to be the funniest guy who ever lived. And she says to me, you don't know, do you? Know what? He's your grandfather. (laughs) Wow. So I did not know. You know, but that explained why I had so many friends, I guess. But they, uh, <laughs> but you know, I I did not know until I was later. And there's there were a couple of reasons for that. One, there were no photographs in the household. My father and my grandmother, Hattie, they were they were estranged from WC. They didn't want to, you know, kind of remember WC. So we had no photographs. And and for that matter, we had no photographs on my mother's side of the family. But and I, that I can't explain. But um, wow. but in any event, so there was nothing around the house to kind of say, hey, you're related to this guy. Plus, being the youngest, I honestly think the rest of the family just forgot to tell me. You know, there was just, you know, <laughs> or, they, or they figured, how slow can you be? 
Now, the interesting thing, what you said about Lindbergh, is I ended up writing comedy. I ended up writing for Paramount and for Marblehead Manor and for Michael Richards and for um, mm-hmm. um, and, and and I did Night Court script and and the interesting thing about that is when I when I uh, interviewed Adele WC's sister she said we never thought we never thought Bill was that funny and Walter, <laughs> Walter was a funny guy he was the funny guy. Really? Walter was WC's younger younger brother. Well, that's the same thing in my family. My my brother Alan's a funny guy, but I ended up writing comedy, you know, on a professional basis. And so I, I, I and I think it's kind of in the family. My daughter and my sons they're very hilarious. I think it's in the blood. Wow. So the thing with your grandfather is that he he had so much talent, and I mean he had from what I've understood in in reading biographies of him, he had, he had kind of a hard. Uh, upbringing relationship with his dad and stuff and, and got into show business uh just as kind of an escape and uh was you know was a was an early major talent in uh in the vaudeville circuit and then later into uh into films now listen um listen to this talent this incredible talent this guy had and he was oozing with it i have a talent to write that's all i have i can't do anything else but W.C. started out as a juggler. By the time he's 20, he's billed in the Keith Orpheum circuit as a world's greatest juggler, greatest comic juggler. Uh, he goes to the state, the various uh, uh, venues where he plays, and he draws caricatures of the cast so he can sell them to the newspapers. He's that talented in, in, in drawing. Wow. And then you take it another step. He wrote most of his scripts most of his stuff, almost all of his routines, and then he performs in them. You know, so he's he's so multi-talented. Uh, uh, to find all this stuff out was just amazing. It was the beginning of Hollywood and things like that. And then he made the he made the transfer from uh, from silence to talkies and developed his uh, his persona, his on-screen persona. And then later, uh, working that into radio, you know, with the with Charlie McCarthy and things like that. It's just it's just amazing that he built this little empire of. W.C. Fields around him. It, it, it's stunning. Well, yeah, it is. I think I, I think it quite is. And and uh, you know, I th- when I was when my grandmother died, Hattie, the W.C.'s wife, when she died in 1963, we went to her house in Beverly Hills. And in the house, in the basement of the house, we found scrapbooks that date back to 1898 when he first started, when he first left Philly. To go to Atlantic City to perform with the with the uh, um, Atlantic on the Atlantic City Pier, there he meets Hattie in 1898. They fall in love. He puts them into his act. In 1900, they're they're in the Keith Orpheum circuit uh, and they get married in San Francisco and they travel the world. And in 1900, WC is only 20 years old. Yeah. So when I found this material which was we just donated recently well the last 10 years to the American uh, the American Motion Pictures of Arts and Sciences they say it's one of the biggest collections they ever had well WC and Hattie kept everything and so with all this talent that you and I and Hal are talking about with all this talent I think he was very insecure and so he he kept clippings and he kept notes and he kept playbooks and he kept everything where his name is mentioned and I think it was I. This is my uh, my theory. I'm no psychologist. I was an English major. Um, that that he just wanted to prove that one time he was once famous. I, I, that's the only thing I could think of. Wow. Well, yeah. It and it, yeah. I I did read uh, articles about your uh, your 
kind donation to uh, to the uh, the Academy Archives, uh, which uh, I said American you know, it, the Academy it, of Motion Pictures. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and Michael. I I've done I've done research with them in the past and I've seen their archiving techniques and I, mean, I don't think you could find a better place for it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, no, they're they're a great resource uh, for anybody interested in the history of movies um, and and entertainment in general. It's 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 stunning. But it's I, I find it fascinating that that your family just wasn't that big on or at least letting you know about where where you come from. Has has it affected? I mean, I, I guess it's affected your life in terms that you've become kind of come you become your grandfather's uh, sort of uh, official biographer. Well, yes, and that that effect that that of course has an effect, and it's all by accident. I still wanted to write the great American novel when I was twenty two, and my agent convinced me to to um, to do a W. C. Fields book. Well, my father had died in seventy one, and and so I and I going through his artifacts, I found that he had already started a book so i said to my mother you know what i'm going to probably do is write a book that let my father let pa leave a legacy and I'll, I'll finish it for him he had nine pages i, I did 500 something but, wow. but, but he's in there though that's good yeah and it's dedicated to him and that's how i got the yeah. first book so then the next thing happens i go back to my novel and the next thing happens some guy just barrages me at a party in hollywood what would you do next and i said probably i'd write a play i've never written a play before so the he gave me an offer i couldn't say no to and so i wrote a play that traveled around the country for about five years it was a one-man two-man show called wc fields 100 proof then then i said i'm going back to my novel and <laughs> and someone well then occurrences in my life happened i had a i needed money and my agent said well do a second book so i got a second book and then so it's just like one succession of things after the other and i will tell you honestly to this day i have not gone about more than 10 pages on that novel <laughs> <laughs> someday though someday someday <laughs> wow there's so much my my growing up with uh, with my dad's love of fields. I I think of so many bits and skits and and there's so much so many phrases that I use that I use from when I was a kid uh, from just watch watching his things. Um, I did notice that there seems to have been I think in the age of uh, of VHS and DVD when on re-releases and stuff when they start coming up with compilation things it seems like a lot of the fields material gets adulterated i mean it, it kind of they they drop in uh, like comedy soundtracks over the top of the uh, over the top of the original movies and things and i i feel like uh, a lot of the fields timing gets lost and I, it's um i i kind of feel sad about that because it's like they, it seems to be repackaged to make it more palatable to a modern audience but there's so much in the original fields that uh it it makes me sad when I see and, and I see it on things like TCM and stuff or uh, that that they show they show the kind of the the edited or overlaid version of of your grandfather's work. That will happen. And what happened is during the seventh year, there were a lot of film pirates during this period, and they would change things in order. For instance, there was a guy named Raymond Rohauer, and he would change the music and then re-copyright the dentist or the fatal glass of beer one of wc field's shorts and then if anyone showed him he'd claim here's my copyright i own that and so that that's uh. why a lot of that that's why a lot of that happened was just simply to change the copyright um oh interesting wow. yeah yeah so it was, it's, it's a yeah a nasty business out there i know i'm in yeah. it <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and you know, Jim mentioned a couple of minutes ago about uh, about uh, WC's work in radio later in his career, and it's uh, it's amazing to me. I mean, a couple of things. First of all, I'm always amazed that uh, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy uh, were a hit on radio. When you think about a ventriloquist on radio, that there's something fundamental about that. That just almost uh, why should that even work? Because you don't care if his lips are moving or not. But uh, well, well, uh, the, the but of course, it was all the wit and the writing. Yeah, there oh, was, there's a reason for that. Hal, he was a lousy ventriloquist. <laughs> you know, that's what I what I've always heard. But he was so good with the character, right? The character and the voice oh, and the, everything he else. Just, he had he had everything. Just what you said. He but he moved his lips, and, and right. so that's why that's why he's so good on radio. But the when, <clears throat> the the funny thing is is that Constance Moore told me a story. She was in um, I, I uh, it's a, I think the bank deck, but I can't re- recall right offhand. But she told me the story of that they were all sitting around going over the script. And no, it had to be. That's right. I'm sorry. It had to be Can't Cheat an Honest Man in, in 38 and or th- 30, around there. Anyway, so he, he's he's uh, there. Charlie McCarthy's mouthing off. Well, it turns out Bergen was the character that he was. He was very straight laced. He was from an English background. He and and and, and McCarthy was his his alter ego. So he would never say anything. Bergen would never say anything bad, but McCarthy what? <laughs> McCarthy was. <laughs> and like it his... was so funny. They said they're sitting around in a conference, script conference before the show, and McCarthy's mouthing off, and Bergen saying stop it because McCarthy had his own chair. So Field says, "Get him, McCarthy, you're out of here. Get him out of here." <laughs> and Constance Moore, Constance Moore said he wasn't confused, but he realized what Bergen was doing. <laughs> he says, "The rest of us, I once went up to," she told me, "I once went up to Charlie McCarthy and slapped him across the face, <laughs> his little wooden face." <laughs> I know that's right. Isn't wow. that amazing? But then. The, the two of them together, you know, you, I've heard a little bit of the of the sort of insult comedy stuff that they would do, and that is uh, to this day. This is you know seventy, uh, almost eighty years later. It's yeah. still hilarious. Uh, it them, is them going back and forth and, and picking at each other, and it was it's amazing to me. You think about uh, again, we're talking about W. C. Fields as this cultural icon, as this person that everybody knows. You know, even he's so distinctive. His personality is so larger than life that you know I, I, I consider him a talented actor. But still, when you see him on screen, it's boom. There's W. C. Fields. He's he's bigger than a character. He's bigger than the picture. And then even working in radio, as soon as you hear his voice. You know immediately yep. who it is, and you know what you're getting, and uh, and and you're glad of it because you know this is going to be hysterical, and you're going to let him get away with just about anything and still love the guy. Yeah, that's true. And what, what WC once said, his own quote was, "Anyone will figure will uh, forgive a rogue as long as there's one bit of human kindness in his rogueries." So you know he's he was aware that much aware of the human existence that that much you know onto this is going to work because I'm going to show I'm sweet. So he steals cigars, he steals hot dogs, but he's he's the father of Poppy, and he treats her with this human kindness of a of an amazing touching way, and then moves on. So he does all his rogueries. For instance, the end of Poppy is a very funny story. He he grabs her. He's Poppy's found her new love and her new town and her real family and all the stuff that she's been looking for throughout her life. And W.C. was her ersatz father. And he, as he leaves this mansion where she's going to stay and go back on the road as a performer, he grabs her by the shoulders as tenderly as you can even imagine. And he says, let me give you one word of fatherly advice. 
Never give a sucker an even break. <laughs> turns around, <laughs> turns around, grabs, sees a humidor filled with cigars, grabs all the cigars, picks them in his pocket, and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. It was just, it, it was, inc- yeah, he was incredible that way. He, he actually made you love the the rogue. You know, <laughs> yeah, he really yeah. did. You never felt that he was on top of things through most of stuff. I mean, typically it was henpecked, and he would just look for. His character seemed to look for angles to get ahead. I can't remember the name of the. I can't remember the movie, but it's the one where he. He's telling a story about uh, snakes, and, and and he finds out that one of the, uh, one of the women listening to the story is uh, is terrified of snakes. Yeah. So he he adds more to the story with the snake, and um, it, it, it it she just keeps fainting and screaming. And, and he can... <laughs> he, he, that 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 is um, you can't cheat an honest man as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're at the party, and they. <laughs> I just and they, they get back and he he's talking about that they were they were climbing over mountains and streams and like and they had a goat with them and the goat disappeared and then somebody finally asks him well what happened to the goat and he said well it was very good with mustard yeah <laughs> I, it, 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 that's never given a second to even break what, what, yeah it, what's it, funny it, about it, these things and most of most of his movies not all most of his movies he's he wants to he wants to succeed he has the uh, Bissonnet grocery store he sells it to buy an orange <laughs> ranch it comes out to be a huge failure and by hook and a crook by luck he becomes very rich but he never changes <laughs> you know? yeah the, the wealth yeah, that does not exactly. change him so that is sweet man. you know there's so many quotes uh quotations out there attributed to him and I'm, I'm i'm sure over the years some of them become a little bit apocryphal but you were talking about snakes i was just thinking of one i know i'm going to get this a little bit wrong but it's something like always carry a bottle of whiskey in case of snake bite and furthermore always carry a small snake that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just I, how, I, I, how lovable that was. I know. Oh gosh, and ju- just mentioning uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bissonnet, I can remember my dad saying, "No, it's it's not Bissonnet, it's Bissonnet." <laughs> I just never call me Mr. Bissonnet in front of Mrs. Bissonnet. But, uh, just, but well, there's just so. I got to tell you a very funny story. Well, I think it's funny. I always have to make that qualification. <laughs> I, I was I was doing my first book in 1971. And I started doing, and I was doing the research, and I was re- researching for whatever reason I forget, but the Lakeside Country Club where W. C. Fields was a member, and, and so they gave gave me their membership book, and sure enough, there's a guy whose name is Harold Bessonette. <laughs> no, oh, wow. so I call him up, and I'm thinking he belongs to a country club. He's got to be snotty. Now I was, I, I took French in college, but just in case. He's got to be snotty, so maybe that's where WC got the Bissonnet thing. And so I, I call, I call up, and he goes, "Hello," and I go, "Hello, is this Mr. Bissonnet?" And he goes, "It's Bissonnet." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, oh, that's perfect. There's, a, there's oh. such a there's such a sense of closure in it. <laughs> <story. laughs> I know, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah. Wow. Now, wow, Ronald, I don't want to put you too much on the spot here. Um, and uh, you know, Bob uh, Bob Lehman was apparently uh, the actor playing WC in this uh, in the scene we're talking about. Apparently, pretty well known as a WC Fields impersonator. His but his only real roles on IMDb were were in uh, playing that persona. When you watch this minute, you see his performance. How would you rate it? Is he doing a, I, is he doing a decent job? I would rate it a one. That's one of the best I've ever seen. It really is. Even the, the, because he's subtle. He, mostly the people who impersonate W C go overboard. Right. 
but this guy was subtle and that the the some of the dialogue was not that great but he had to say it uh, he really he did that uh, you know in his looks he didn't do a huge double take, which most people do when they impersonate WC. He did the, oh, uh, you know. The, right, the, sort of the shrug yeah. while his arm comes up yeah. and he steps, yeah. steps back. Yeah. And uh, in a very non-Disney moment, of course, we, we pan down to uh, Jennifer Connelly's cleavage uh, for, so he can give yeah. his line about being doubly charmed. Right, which, right. Which he did He did manage a certain, in, in some of his post-code movies, he, he did manage to get things snuck in. I, I mean, if you if you watch some of his some of his asides seem to be, I, I can imagine censors going, wait, what did he mean by that? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, he was, he had a wonderful vocabulary, didn't he? He was obviously a very intelligent man. And I don't know how he realistic was, the, these, uh, this line here about a euphonious appellation, but he certainly was known for flowery language and things uh, that would often sail right over the heads of anybody around him. Sure. Uh, is it is it true? Uh, is it true? I, I had read that he he only had a, a grade school education, and a lot of times when he was traveling with Hattie, he carried trunks full of books, and he read things like Homer and uh, Euripides and things like that to uh, to boost his knowledge. And Dickens and uh, Twain. He he loved those guys. He had the whole, we have the whole collection or had the whole collection at our house of their works. Yeah, he was he, he was just an incredible human being. He he read this stuff, self-educated. He used to carry a dictionary and uh, around with not used to when, when he was involved. Well, he did in fact carry a dictionary with him, look up words. I found notes in his writing. He'd write down the words. Coincidentally, this is a this is a talking about genetics. It's an odd thing. I I still to this day have my uh, grammar school dictionary. This is before I knew WC <laughs> was my grandfather. And I did the exact same thing. I used to write down words and their definitions of, of words I had never he heard before. So when WC, when uh, in, in my little chickadee, WC turns to uh, Mae West and says, uh, what's your name, dear? And he goes, she goes, Flower Bell Lee. And she goes, he goes, what a euphonious appellation. <laughs> now, wow. now, we know, the three of us, we know there's probably 1% of the population who knows what those two words mean. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. You know, and it's just it simply means a nice sounding name, you know, but but to put a euphonious appellation, incredible, you know, and, and then and uh, he yeah, didn't re care. redeploying it in this movie. Right. Pardon me? I, I, and, said, and, they, and they managed to redeploy that phrase in this in this particular scene. I know. I know. I saw uh, that. I noticed that. Which is interesting because he, to consider his arrogance, and there is a certain, there has to be a certain amount of arrogance. He is saying euphonious appellation, knowing no one's going to get it. Right. The words just, the words sound funny together. That's all he knows. They just, they, there's a flow to it. So he loved words, and there's really no point in him saying that, but he says it anyway. <laughs> right. Well, and she's obviously very you know, very charmed by it. I, I don't think we know what uh, Jenny Blake's uh, character's a actual age is, but we can make an educated guess. And, and Jennifer Connelly, the actress at the time, was 19. Oh. And if W.C. was born in uh, 1880, so his yeah. character, he'd be 58 uh, in this role. So he's just coming up to a pretty girl and, and uh, you know, just couldn't care less. He's just yeah. he's just going just gonna to lay it all out there. And it's 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 wonderful how how charmed and how attentive she seems. Obviously, she's going to be starstruck in the scene. She's a struggling young actress who's just been in, you know, sort of scenery roles. And now here's, you know, here's a legend uh, here to uh, keep her company while her date wanders off to do, uh, you know, top secret Nazi things. But right. uh, 
but just that that the way she looks at him and everything else so you just i i have a feeling that there was there's a lot of truth to that that he could probably just walk up to and and uh and insert himself into any conversation and charm just about anybody just by being uh, being himself yes and he, and he he had that certain charisma you know where where there was such you know, as I said earlier, he he seemed so insecure in his youth. As he got older, I think he got very secure and and just felt that he could he could do just about anything in any situation. And he had a very great self confidence. So yeah, I think you're right. He had a, when he came into a room, he owned the room, you know, that type of thing. How uh, how true would you feel the uh, uh, the, the Steiger movie uh, W. C. Fields and Me was in portraying Fields? <laughs> I know it's a tough question to ask in family matters. No, 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 it's not tough at all. The her it was Carlotta Monti's book, who was twenty four in WC. I think it was around fifty four when they hooked up. What her book was as inaccurate and you know unrevealing as any book. It just was all about her. It wasn't about WC. What she does not reveal is that she met WC. I think at thirty four and thirty six, nineteen thirty six. She married an opera singer and moved to New York. When wow. she came, yeah, she just mentioned that. When she came back to... <laughs> it's a bit of an omission, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Two years later, when she comes back to WC, you can tell in the letters that they write between each other that this relationship that they had, which was probably very physical, undoubtedly very physical, had turned into almost father-daughter. You know, he, WC's writing letters, giving her advice. So her book was completely inaccurate. And the, the funny thing about the movie, it was not only completely inaccurate, it didn't even represent her book, which was completely inaccurate. So you got a, you got a double inaccurates there. Wow. So um, no, that, that book got nothing to do with yeah, reality. In fact, I, I was I writing my play and the, the fellow who produced that called up my producer and said, do you have any information we can have on WC? And he says, well, I have his grandson right here. We're doing a play. You should talk to him. He says no. We have enough information and hung up. So they didn't. they wow. they weren't going after. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a biography. No, was, no. no. <laughs> and the incident in Mexico where he, he uh, urinates over the uh, speakers that happened with another actor, and I forget. I forget his name, but that happened with another actor uh, down in Mexico, and it's a true story. I don't feel that Fields was his persona, but he used he used his persona when it when it helped him in social situations. I think. That's, yeah. The, he he gave his audience what they were asking for, but it seems like he was more of a private man, and, and as you said, he had he had insecurities early in his life that he tried to bolster by by collecting so much and just kind of hoarding stuff. Right. I co-wrote and co-produced a documentary on him for which it was kind of neat. I won the uh, Primetime Emmy Award and it was wow. called W.C. Fields Straight Up. And in it, there's only one scene in the whole thing that we have in the repertoire of our archives that shows him actually talking. And he turns in one scene. It's in his backyard and it's a it's a short clip that never was exposed to the light of day except after he passed away and it, he did it for the uso and he he literally looks up from he's sitting at a table where he has a drink and he looks up and says to the director do you want me to hold this over here or hold this over there now it's the same voice everything's the same except it's not exaggerated as he talks when the camera's running but it's the same same sound same cadence you know so so it was a character he created, but it's very close to his character. 
he did manage to, uh, from what I understand, in his early life, he had a he, he had kind of a stage fright because of his stutter. He had like a, a stammering. I don't know if that affected just it, in that, that drawl that he used, if that kind of helped him get over the stutter or I mean, if that if that could have been where it came from. Or... Well, I talked to I, I interviewed Adele and Leroy. Those are Leroy's WC's younger uh, brother and Adele is his younger sister. And they said he had no, he didn't stutter. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's just, I think that's one of those fictions that, you know. It, it, it told well, so people yes. passed it along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, this has been an, an illuminating uh, uh, episode. I really, really appreciate you, Ron, for being on, on the show. This, this little piece, I mean, it's just a, it's kind of a passing moment in, a, in this 109 minute movie, mm-hmm. but it seems to, it, it seems to be a great pause. It, it kind of highlights the other characters, especially Jenny's character that she, she gets to be, kind of uh, starstruck by yet another of Hollywood's, uh, you know, he, he was kind of one of the Olympians uh, of, of this time. And uh, it's nice knowing that this part, I, I think that this part treated uh, Fields uh, with honor. You know, I agree. I agree. And, and, and the, you know, what a fabulous movie. Yeah. But yeah, it did. It treated him well. And I, we were very happy about that. Uh, now it's, it, I I assume that the Fields family retains the the intellectual property of the character of W. C. Fields. Yes, so we, the, when the, right when when people when people are using I, I, did did Disney approach you to to say that we're going to use the character and and talk to you about how they were going to do it at the time? Or? I don't I, I do not recall, but I vaguely recall. I do not recall fully, but I vaguely recall that that we had the royalties for them using that right, that we had an agent that was on the on the scene, and they they um, uh, they agreed to a royalty to use the rights of the image and likeness of W.C. Fields, which which we which we hold dear, and that's part of our business. In fact, yeah, we're, send, we're in fact we're going to send you a bill next month. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> okay, how will cover that? Yes. Don't worry. He's, he's and my uh, my mailing address is seven. So that's uh, right, seven. <laughs> send it right there. <laughs> well, this is a, a wow. great part of the whole South Seas Club setup. You know, as as they're walking in, there's the uh, there's a brief uh, sort of cameo by by somebody playing Clark Gable, but the you know the the WC Field segment here just absolutely cements it. It puts us right in that time and place, and uh, and just as Jim, you were saying, it it gives Jenny a little bit of character development. This is you know. She's in her element, but she's she's meeting you know the best of the very best. Yeah, and, and it also it also kind of underlines uh, Neville uh, Neville Sinclair's uh, uh, role in Hollywood that he is the number three box office, uh, and and uh, Fields chides him by saying you, know, you fall off any chandeliers. That's, right, right. Right. Yeah. that's a good line. I so you love yeah. the the whole backstory uh, the whole backstory <laughs> there, and then I always get a kick out of it because it's so easy to forget that he's in it. There is a you know blink and you'll miss him uh, appearance by. Clint Howard, Ron Howard's brother, yeah. who's, who's been in almost yeah. everything, but uh, he walks in and, and tells Neville that uh, he's needed in the other room. Wow, yeah, I didn't realize so, that. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I think that's that's his role in life is just kind of be. He's almost like the Where's Waldo. It's like, oh look, it's Clint Howard. Right. That's right. But, <laughs> and, uh, and unfortunately, I guess for him, it's we go straight from the uh, the, the sort of uh, you know mortifying shot of uh, of, of Jenny's cleavage uh, right to Clint Howard's face, and and right. maybe that's a palate cleanser. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I mean, there's so so many things going on in this particular minute. I mean, we usually when we're when we're not talking about 
famous people that are in the scenes. Uh, we we kind of do a rundown of this, but we've, we've watched uh, Neville goes off to uh, to talk to Eddie Valentine, the gangster slash owner of the uh, South Seas Club, right. uh, who's going to have a, a discussion with uh, Neville about what happened to uh, his boy, uh, Wilmer, who got kind of cut in half at, uh, at the hospital. Um, but it was, yeah, this is kind of a, a grim moment uh, where he's he's – they're trying to figure out it's kind of a power struggle as to who's in charge of finding uh, the rocketeer rocket pack that was sorvino wasn't it Sor- uh, yes yeah. that's paul paul sorvino yeah. right there Just, the um, interesting thing about that is that it's well it's a well whoever designed this script and that i i teach script writing but whoever designed it did a very good job because they made a funny moment with wc uh, my kids always make fun of me moment moment <laughs> with wc right before the very dark scene ah, so, yeah so, yeah and it, so it, it contrasts it's a good, wonderfully it, it's it's that swinging back and forth and this constant power play uh, uh of wheels within wheels right. where jenny jenny thinks she's you know, she's about to make it big time with uh, Neville. You know, this this big time Hollywood actor uh, has noticed her and pulled her out of the chorus line, and is now making her a major role in the in the in the movie. And, and um, interesting, it, interesting historical note. That's what W. C. did with Hattie. He, she, oh. she was in the Monte Carlo Girls, a chorus line, and he pulled her out and fell in love. Wow. You know, I'd like to think there's an <laughs> alternate version uh, of this uh, this Rocketeer universe where. When Neville comes back to the table, Jenny's gone, and she's just, she's just gone home with WC. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, you know, it, inter- it just wouldn't surprise me at all. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I do have to ask how how realistic was it that uh, that uh, WC turned down the role of uh, of the Wizard of Oz? That's something I've always wondered about since I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, same they, they, same here. Big Oz fan, and I've always I've always been curious about that very thing. Here, he was working on a different movie at the time. No, right? here's what happened. He got uh, uh, discharged from Paramount. Universal Studios was going bankrupt. Bank of America says if you don't sign WC Fields, you do not get a loan. So you. Universal was not going to loan the money unless they signed Fields on as one of their players. So they signed Fields. He's writing. He's writing the movie. We go back to it. You can't cheat an honest man. Yeah. And so they go to the the. Uh, People from the Wizard of Oz, they go to WC and they said, we want you in this. Now, I'm going to tell you something interesting, of course, I think. They go to WC and WC says, no, I'm making my own movie. And so they say, well, you don't have to play the wizard. You can play the lion. You can play just about anything you want. Now, as a screenwriter, here's my take. If WC Fields was in the Wizard of Oz, I don't think it would have been this much of a classic. And the reason being is I think he would have dominated it too much. Yeah, that's a great point. Point. Yeah, he, he needed to be more of a background character like uh, like, like the, Frank Morgan. Like Frank, Frank Morgan, Frank Morgan was right. Yeah, he was a second banana kind of. Yeah, thing. although yeah. he played uh, at, what four, five, or six different roles. Of course, Frank Morgan was everywhere in the film, but uh, but but yeah, but but he was always as the secondary character. Yes. I don't think Frank Morgan ever starred in anything. No, absolutely. Well, you know, here's here's an interesting thing. In 1925, Jerome Kern, Kern and uh, Ziegfeld sat down and wrote Showboat. They wrote Showboat for W.C. playing Captain Andy. Wow. Yeah, that's why they wrote it. It was a W.C. vehicle all the way. And what happened is he started getting involved with Paramount and making movies. They, the guy they got to replace W.C. because the thing was done. W.C. was supposed to go, and at the last minute he pulled out. They got Frank Morgan to replace W.C. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's just everywhere. I, so so Frank Morgan is the poor man's W.C. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you can plug <laughs> him in exactly anywhere. Right. Yeah. He's the, wow. He was the Ted McGinley of his day. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, we we end this minute with uh, Eddie being sarcastic, but it uh, but Neville doesn't quite understand that he's being sarcastic. He's trying to be uh, uh, obsequious almost yeah. to saying yeah, yeah, is. everything's doing all right, but it's uh, but there's you know wheels within wheels of this of uh, Neville not realizing that he's about to get yelled at for killing yeah, <laughs> one of Eddie's boys. So, uh, but, but we'll have to talk about that on a. Uh, it's probably tomorrow. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna wind up chatting about that. I, it, one thing I have to say is I do love the office door of Eddie Valentine, that beveled, uh, almost fluted uh, doorway that's that's plugged in there. We've, we've been talking about architecture uh, oh, recently yeah. in the past couple of days, and it's just it's just an amazing bit of uh, carpentry. <laughs> and then uh, uh, in the background on the wall there, there's a beautiful print of an ocean liner with that sort of that. Uh, you know, palm trees and things, and I'm about ninety percent sure that's a that's a liner from the the P&O, the Peninsular and uh, Oriental Navigation Company. So that would have been a they were one of the few that were using that all white, even you know down to the down to the waterline paint schemes at that time. Beautiful artwork and those popcorn wow. clouds that I just love. Yeah, and we we still have never been able to find out who the uh, the mermaid is in the background, but I just wondered what her shift was like. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> did, you, did you do? Yeah, Wait, did you get a two it's, hour break. Yeah. Or... It very well could have been sunken. So. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that's no small thing to build a tank like that for the set for just you know just a bit that's of a, set dressing. That's a... That's a lot of water. Yeah. It is a lot of water just for the uh, boy, just for for a bit of backdrop in this scene. Yeah, it must have just been interesting just to call action. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Okay, mermaid, swim. Yeah, yeah swim. Mer. <laughs> well, uh, uh, this has been this has been a fantastic uh, a fantastic episode here. And, uh, and Ron, thank you. If I can may add one thing at the end here, here's sure. here's two things that may may excite you. We're working on. I've written the libretto and we're working on the lyrics and the uh, co- composition for a Broadway musical, which I'm calling an honest man, based on W.C. Fields' life. Oh, that's wow. Okay, well, it, yeah. Hold off on the great American novel and concentrate on that because I, I would want to go to see that. I just, <laughs> I know. And then I'm working on a kids show that is very. You guys are Wizard of the Oz, uh, Oz uh, fellows. It is very similar to the Wizard of Oz. It's it's they go from. It's called uh, the Magic Paint Box. They go in this paint box. These kids find the paint box, and then we go into Inspiria, which is a world that's completely. Like Oz, you know, all color, everything else. And the mayor of the town of Vinsperia is W.C. Fields, a W.C. Fields hmm. character. Oh, that's a type character, yes. Yeah, so as I hoped, I hope by doing this, I can introduce a new generation to him. When I wrote, when I wrote before this play, the newspapers would always say, and we have the great W.C. Fields lines, and they'd quote one or two of his and one or two of mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think I got the, I think I have some of his, in terms of writing, some of his uh, way of speaking and his lines down. So we we hope to get those out soon. Oh, that sounds terrific. Wow. Well, uh, could you okay. could you could you name off could you name off uh, the the books that you've written about Fields because I know these are available on Amazon but I just like the, our, our listeners to to know what to look for when they're when they're searching under uh, under Ronald Fields on the uh, on Amazon. Well, they uh, search under Ronald J. Fields. And and okay. and the reason why I say that is because when I started my career, there was a very famous choreographer called Ron Field, and oh. and I put the newspaper. They say Ron Field opens a new play on Broadway, and I put it in front of my uh, mother-in-law, and she goes, "Ron, do you have a play on Broadway?" <laughs> <laughs> I, Whoops! I said I better go by Ronald J. So that that's the best way. It's uh, there are four things that that may be of interest to your audience, and one is uh, W. C. Fields by himself, just re-released last year. 
late last year, uh, with a forward by Conan O'Brien, who called W.C. Fields the funniest person who ever lived in the forward. Mm. We have uh, W.C. Fields, A Life on Film, which is my, my favorite book. Uh, right after that, I wrote the documentary for which I won a primetime Emmy, and that was called W.C. Fields, Straight Up. And then in 2000s, I wrote, Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, W.C. Fields on Business. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're sure glad you gave so, uh, a couple of suckers here an even break and coming on the, oh, coming yeah, on the show. Oh, yeah, you guys have been great. Hal, Jim, it's just, just been a pleasure for me. Thank you. Yeah, thank Thank you very much for being on. For, for folks who'd like to continue the conversation, of course, we're always available on a bunch of different social media. You can find us on Twitter at Rocketeer Minute. You can find us on Facebook. If you go to Facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute, we're always there at the Rocketeer's Bulldog Cafe. Uh, find us on the big site, RocketeerMinute.com, where we will have uh, – actually, we're going to have a, a link to uh, uh, Ron's uh, – Amazon list, listings. We'll put that in on this particular episode page. So check that out. And you can also go listen to previous episodes, talk with other people that uh, are, are also listening to our show, and uh, catch up on a whole bunch of cool swag that you can you can pick up there <laughs> at uh, in the store section. Um, also, please, if you are listening to us and you're almost an hour into this, you really should go and uh, subscribe on either iTunes or Google Play. Just search for Rocketeer Minute. Uh, when, it, when we come up, just click the subscribe button. You'll, you'll get every new episode Monday through Friday delivered hot and fresh. So uh, please join us online or uh, join us here tomorrow when we find out what's going on with uh, Neville and uh, Eddie and uh, what they're going to do about uh, that girl that's talking to W.C. Fields out in the middle of the South Seas Club. So uh, join us here tomorrow here on the uh, Rocketeer Minute. Until then, over and out. 